Hello, welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am your host, Carlos Cooper, with me as always, Joe Hilliard and Dave Gurney. And in this episode, we are going to drink beer and talk about movies. Uh, we are going to but talk not about... not in that order. Uh, no, yeah, in that order. In that order. Yeah, we'll do um, that order. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a movie here in a second, obviously. Uh, you saw the title, the movie's 1917 by Sam Sam Mendes, or Mendez, whatever your preferred pronunciation is. But first, David has a beer for us. That's right. All right. This Love is the from Foley. Freem brewing out of uh washington state and this is a they don't really have a name for it other than the style itself i believe it is a scotch barrel aged imperial brown ale they don't name their beers otherwise huh i don't they may name other ones but this one is just kind of what it is so i will get this into our glasses here a brown ale is a british style if i'm not mistaken (laughs) it is joe and that kind of works for this 1917 film doesn't it uh, where where we have uh, an English regiment uh, that we're, we're kind of following in uh, World War One as they attempt to uh, perfectly poured David. yeah get some get some work there so um, getting this into the glasses it's a pretty dark brown ale what was the ABV on this guy uh, it's pretty high ten percent nice 10... is there anything special about this one Scotch barrels Scotch barrel yeah imperial yeah. brown ale. And I don't know if I'm getting a lot of scotch on the nose. Really? Our Imperial Brown. I got it right away. That's why yeah? I asked. Yeah. Aged in single malt I mean, I'm definitely getting like barrels. kind of a whiskey, but but not particularly scotch. That's... You have, uh, a, very, yeah, but my, you have a very refined palate. I was going to say, maybe yeah. my palate is not refined enough to yes. discern the difference. Well, yeah. I mean, scotches tend to be a little smokier yeah. or, than than a typical, uh, you know, bourbon or Canadian whiskey or whatever. But that's, you know. That's Josh uh, Josh DeLeon of the Blind Owls, former guest of the show, mm-hmm. uh, friend of the show, left a bottle of Johnny Walker here, which is a scotch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't I don't care to drink spirit straight most of the time. Oh, right. But you certainly can't mix that with anything. No. It's so smoky. Like it's not designed to. Super smoky. Yeah. Just, I, Maybe I, an I just, ice cube. Yeah, I can't a do A big it. ice cube. I can't do much with sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Um, You'll grow up, Carlos. <laughs> One day. You'll graduate. Well, so we're, we're, we're going to sip on 1917. While well, we get into 1917. Nominated for Best Picture. Won the Golden Globe for Best Picture Drama. Mm-hmm. And Best Director. Nominated for Best Director at the Oscars as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Best score, Thomas Newman, uh, yeah. special effects, I believe, cinematography, Roger Deakins, the great. Uh, this movie is designed to appear as if it was in one single take all the right. way through. That's right. Uh, similar two to... Two hour running time. Two hours of real time in the film. Yeah, similar to Birdman. Uh, for the, It's not two hours of real time in the film. What are you talking about? I'm saying it's um, a two hour film signifying two hours of time in the story. Well, no. The story takes place over like 12 hours. Well, probably even more. Probably more yeah. like 15, 16. You're right. You're right. Still, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But I got ahead of myself. It's not shot a, in the real time of the universe that it's in. Yeah. It's just a single shot. Right. Single, but you're right. We do single, go overnight. Single tracking shot. Um, Correct. Uh, so there is one break in it, I guess. But anyway, uh, we'll get there. Um, 
similar to uh, Birdman, which we remember several years ago, uh, won a great many awards, mm-hmm. uh, was lauded and praised. The Alfred Hitchcock right film Center. Rope. Rope. Oh, really? I've never seen that. Yeah, if we go behind the scenes a little bit, we said, let's do a single take film for the next one. I wanted to do Rope, because I don't mm-hmm. think we've okay. done Hitchcock on the on the show yet. No. I don't think we have. Yeah. I don't think we have. That would have been an interesting Hitchcock, but, but we did not. We'll no. stay tuned. But, you know, I... I um. <laughs> I feel like at this point, the whole one-shot thing is getting almost a little gimmicky. Uh, like it was, it was always gimmicky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it was, it was kind of novel for Birdman and interesting, and I thought really fit the tone of that film. Just like the following people around, kind of the frantic energy that that like always tracking uh, camera movement gave. Yeah, um, I think it also works for this one. Um, I think it's interesting seeing a war film in that way. Um, I think it allows us to focus uh, more on specific characters rather than like action sequences um, or like battle, you know, set pieces um, in a way that humanizes the story a bit more, especially I feel like you need to do that with World War One because it was such a personal and intimate war compared to the ones that followed it. I mean, we were in the beginning of industrialization, but like you know, you're in the trenches. The person's across from you. It's firearms and hand to hand. Yeah. Um, But let's let's quickly sum it up in like two sentences. Oh yeah, Uh, there are two people that have been selected to go warn another uh, battalion in the um, Royal Army or Mm -hmm. whatever the the well yeah. But I know it's the Royal Air Force. Was is there a name for the army? Anyway, um, yeah. um, so they're about to walk into a German trap. They think they have the Germans on the run, but the Germans are actually receding intentionally in order to they receive new intelligence. Um, yeah, they receive new intelligence. It said they're walking into a trap. You got to get there quick by tomorrow morning and Bef- warn them that they're, they're walking into a trap to yeah. stop their plans to you know ambush Invade, the German right. front line. Mm-hmm. And, and if you um, because if you don't, if you don't, people men, will die. Yeah, including one of their brothers, including yes. one of the two guys sent to do the task's brother. Yeah, so the guy whose brother is in that other, you know, battalion or force or whatever it's called, uh, it was as many will recognize him from Toman Baratheon from uh, Game of Thrones. His name is Dean something rather, right? Uh, yeah, Dean Charles Chapman. I did, I, and I'm not a Game of Thrones yes, person. That's right, I've been trying to get you to watch it. So I did not know I'm surprised, him. surprised, David, of all the some Game of media Thrones that you consume, that Game of Thrones is not on your list. And who, we we are in peak TV right now. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, and I I <laughs> have trouble You're just not start something through. New. Well, I don't mm. know. Yeah, something that's eight seasons in that everybody tells me ends horribly. It does. It's probably not the series that I'm going to pick up. But yeah, that, that's you know. that is totally fair, and I respect you for that. <laughs> if someone had told me how I met, if somebody had told me how how I met your mother was going to end, I would never have watched there that show. There you go. Yeah. Um, What's the but what's the, what's the other guy's name? I, I don't recognize uh, him. George from, McKay. Has he been in anything? Uh, he has been in a few things. Uh, n- not anything that I think most of our listeners will have watched uh, because uh, honestly, I don't think I've watched many of these films. Um, he he was in the 2003 Peter Pan um, as, oh, a, as a very young man, but uh, more recently some films uh, where hands touch, Marrowbone, Captain Fantastic, um, which yeah. actually was nominated for some things he over was in Britain. Plucked from obscurity to be in a Golden Globe winning film. Well, yeah, he. I mean, he. I think he's he's sort of been a working man's actor yeah. in the UK, and this is probably. It, 
could be his breakout yeah. role where where we might see some and more this, of him. And this film lives and dies on those two. Actors. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially George McKay, because yeah. he, he's he's really the one who carries through the entire film. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. Spoiler. They, I mean, we always spoil stuff. Which you know is. I, that is, okay, so let's get into that, because I did not see that coming. Because, really? Well, because between the two of when them. When it did, you 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 were thinking that uh, he was going to make it further in, into I the I thought film. they were both maybe going to get, I don't know, I didn't think, you know, when well, I, do you mind I didn't, hold on, I didn't, I didn't really think that much about what was going to happen necessarily, I just like went into it and was like, okay, this is one shot, let's see how well they pull that off, let's see all of that kind of you know, the cinematography of it all. I was more focused on that rather than yeah. plot necessarily. And just, and by the time that we got there in the story, I was so like locked in and like buckled up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause shit was really intense yeah. by then. And, but yeah, I mean, heartbreaking that scene. And yeah. also I think one of the reasons I didn't expect that to happen is because of the two, uh, Dean Chapman, Gene Charlie Chapman. Well, I don't know what his name is. Uh, <laughs> Dean uh, Charles Chapman. Charles. Yeah. I was really close. You were. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's the bigger name of the two. I mean, right. he was in fucking Game right. of Thrones. You know, and like, he's the brother. He, yeah, he's the one. Who, yeah. And he's trying to. Yeah, and and then when that happens, you're like, fuck, man, because because and that's a scene that's done really really well yeah. because you know he's dying quickly because he gets pale yeah like the makeup and costuming in that scene was brilliant how they show you like oh yeah this guy's fucked yeah well the the story is so simple get from a to b yeah Uh as quickly as you can before this battle ensues right and so since we are to believe that one or both is going to get there what the film is is a roller coaster ride of world war one action in all kinds of forms, uh, including aircraft, including snipers, including explosions, including um, battlefield action. Right. And for that, I would classify this more than anything, not as a war film so much, although war is the backdrop, but an, an action movie along yeah. the lines of Die Hard. One thing after the other, after the other, after the other. Obstacle overcome obstacle right. overcome obstacle overcome it's basic basic storytelling yeah yeah uh, it, it, is. it doesn't give either of the two characters out although the fact that they act well much character development and 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 carlos you're alluding to the mm. fact that only one of them gets to the end because the brother is killed by a german who uh you saw in the trailer the 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 plane is coming toward the barn right yeah yeah and it's I mean, gorgeous and beautiful and and on the, on the edge of your seat mm-hmm. but that german pilot they're trying to they have an argument one of them wants to give him some water the other wants to just execute him right away yeah. and of course they should have done the former because he kills the no, brother the latter they should have right. executed the German right away because yeah. in trying yeah. to save him, but you said that second, so that right, yeah, yeah, fucked yeah, up. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, it could be, it could be that that ten percent frame is uh, <laughs> doing doing its magic, but um, there is little story here. There is nonstop action here. I would disagree I about the yeah, character I development. Do you? I, I mean, I that's that's where I landed on this guy. Okay, I, well, okay, so which is why I wouldn't have awarded it Golden Globe Best Picture. Yeah, I mean, but I, would, I certainly would include it in the top nine films of the year. Sure, yeah, I wouldn't have awarded it Best Picture either, but I I think that you are correct in your assessment that the story is very simple and bare bones as far as like, yeah, we got to get from A to B. 
as soon as possible. And, but there is some kind of personal incentive in it, some mm-hmm. kind of like emotional tethering or there, whatever. There certainly is an emotion. Uh, but an emo- it, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but as far as character development goes, I think that um, live. I well, yeah, but well, I think the dean. I think I think as far as like their uh, motivations and their wants and desires are very simple in that yeah we just need to survive and get there and i think that the dean charles chapman character does kind of have just kind of one note to it it's like oh this is my brother i'm emotionally invested that's why i'm doing this yeah but he ropes his friend into it just because they're like hey pick somebody let's go and he just like picks his friend that's there thinking that they're going to get fed or something like that not knowing what he's picking it for right and that character has a lot to him I think because you get kind of like these short uh, little brief tidbits of information about him giving up like his ribbon for a bottle of wine. And like um, he I don't know, he just has a little bit more complexity to him um, in these little tiny bits that you get as the film goes on. Not necessarily in. I mean, he's a troubled man. Yeah. uh, In a way that's never explicitly stated or defined yeah but you just kind of get the sense that there's this underlining kind of maybe like sorrow or desperation and then as the film goes on to me he finds some kind of purpose in executing this mission and making it successful after every everything that he's been put through and doing it and kind of becomes a more focused individual in the process yeah I, maybe I, i'm reading too far into no it. no i th- i think that I think that's intended and I, and I think it happens. I think the character developments there, I guess even, even when it was, uh, the both of them, even earlier in the film where, where you have, uh, you know, Schofield and Blake, the, the, the two characters together, I think their relationship is kind of interesting. I mean, it's, it's certainly defined by action. I do, I do understand where you're coming from, Joe, that this film is one that I would certainly put up there with, you know, the the war films that have most put you into the action, right? I mean, I think, like, this stands with, like, a Saving Private Ryan as one of those films that is really trying. And I think the cinematography, the uh, the choice to go with that appearance of one take, although we know that it's actually stitched together from, from several. I would say that aside from, because it's hard to not watch for the cuts. Yeah. I'm watching for the cuts. Yeah. I want, yeah, so I, I, I want to learn how you did it sure there's two that are a little glaring but other than that i kind of lost myself in this yeah no without thinking about it too much. right right i i I tried not to get too bogged down Mm -hmm. in it either but but i think actually that they did a good job with putting those two characters into um those conversations that they're having as they're going along when they can have conversations right are very much building this kind of you know yes you have the young the young sort of still green to a certain extent uh you know um uh the blake character that is you know he still seems to think okay there you know like there's something going on here you have the more jaded schofield right exactly so like the the talk that they have about the medals and and when you know like you've earned your medal oh i don't care you know i've already given my that you know there there is something there that's going on that i think it, it it's more than just bomb spectacle explosion i i think there it's is it's not a michael bay movie no 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 and, and, and i don't i think don't hear that i was thinking that at all <laughs> i know you weren't well no no but it, but i i think you know to i don't know and and i also but here's what the film does well stakes 
Yeah. It shows right. war I didn't as see you could any... die at any moment. And if it's not just from a hand-to-hand thing, it's a sniper that we don't even see. A fucking rat. And what the film does... Yeah. If you thought that I was being critical of yeah. that one thing... Yeah. It makes up for itself more than anything with technical achievement. Yeah. It well, is... But but I don't... But again, that's where I'm going to... Like, I don't... I don't know. I don't see this as a stunt film. I think this is one of those cases where the decisions that were made in terms of technique very much support the story that's being told. Like, I don't, you know, earlier on, Carlos said, like, oh, it's almost becoming, like, a gimmick to have, like, these these films that appear film. like sure. they're a single right. take. And, yeah, I, I get that. There, yeah. There's something there. However, it's really hard to pull off. Oh, oh <laughs> and yeah. So no, that's if what I'm you're saying. Technical it, achievement let's, is stunning. Let there be a reason. And I think this film has it. It wants to put us there with these characters um, and ultimately character as they're going on this really arduous journey that, mm-hmm. like you say, Joe, is in a situation where every little decision and every little, like, flutter of a butterfly's wings that would happen could mean life or death for these guys um and does ultimately mean death for one of them that you're seeing that all play out in in essentially what feels like real time even though as we've already pointed out there's a huge gap where he passes out and there's you know hours that go by Mm -hmm. that we don't and the screen goes to black right and the screen goes to black right um that you know, th- with, with all that said, it serves the story where it's trying to put you there in that. Yeah, no, I, in I that completely agree with journey you. Right. with this character. Um, that you know, again, is is very much about one's mortality. It's about what we put ourselves into through modern warfare. Mm-hmm. Right, or, or not so modern warfare in this case. But well, I this mean, was modern. This this was you know, like Carlos is saying, yeah. this is you know, World War One. This is like the advent of mechanized warfare this yeah. is you know we're we're able now we're not where we were with world war ii and we're of, you know and with nuclear the, the, the absence and, of communications yeah the absence yeah. of um of, of of satellite imagery you sure, know I mean, right no i mean it's it's a, it a completely different it's world. early more modern correct warfare, it is yeah. i mean it's like this is where like yeah. air forces are first right inv- like you know in, uh, invented it's not the right so word. if Introduced. i were an oscar voter i would give this film cinematography and if I were an Oscar voter, I would give probably um, uh, set design. It would deserve it. All of those technical achievements, I see this winning them. I give yeah. it cinematography. And maybe. I... Uh, the but, the but, goofy but, but, one, though, I will... You know, I'm going to point not this. best picture. There, there was... I can't remember what it was. I think it was the... It was some critics group gave it best editing, which is insane. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Come on. The trick is that there is no editing. (laughs) I mean, mean, now there were, I I can almost go there. Okay. Framing. They had to do these eight or so edits that had to look seamless, except for maybe the one. But the rest of it's camera work. But it's really camera work, yeah. right? It's really yeah. cinematography. Correct. Correct. And I mean, mean, they gave Bohemian Rhapsody editing. So at this point, Anything, anything, anything goes. But yes, I would. You know, I would agree. Roger Deakins certainly deserves it, and he's won it. So you know, last year or two years ago for Blade Runner, right? Yeah, two or three years ago, right? Yeah, he. I mean, he he certainly deserves it. I I do still think Lighthouse. It would be a nice nice way to recognize that film. Yeah. Um, But I I think this one stands pretty 
um, in a pretty good position to actually win the Best Picture award. I think it's the type of film that it gets the Academy that Golden Globe lead in likes to you know get, give an award to. It, it has that message about the sort of futility of war and yeah. the you know um, the 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 price that's paid there's, for it. There's a lot uh, in common. Uh, not just take the war out of it, but the uh, stakes of the war mm-hmm. in of save, saving Private Ryan. What this film does so much better than that movie are those bookend scenes in Arlington Cemetery, where the old man is now older. Did I earn this, honey? Are those those like cringy scenes for me? And it's difficult to say that out loud because veterans groups get mad at you if if you do that. Mm. But to me, keep us in the action. Yeah, and that's what this movie does so yeah. well. It keeps you in the action, yeah. and it makes you realize what. As a, as a non-veteran myself, as a non, you know, no military experience, what these guys are, are doing. And yeah. it's, it's, it's harrowing. And, and the film shows it really well. Yeah. One thing I did not care for, uh-huh. and that really took me out of it, uh, was when Benedict Cumberbatch uh, <laughs> showed up. Because at that point, you're like fucking in it, you know? Like you are in this world. You've got this kind of, to most people, no-name actor carrying your film on his back the entire time. Aside way. from Colin Firth showing up earlier. But that's, but, yeah. but, that, but that's so... Okay, so the, the reason this is different is because the Colin Firth thing, A, it's in the trailer, so you already know it's coming. And B, it's, so, it's before anything starts. It's like huh. right up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of when you're in the... I don't know. It didn't take me out that much. I, I, I get where you're coming from. For me, the well, Colin Firth... But he came in as Doctor Strange. Well, <laughs> for me, the thing is when Colin Firth is like, "You're uh, the film hasn't really started yet at that point. Yeah. You're just getting the setup, and then after that is when it really kind of begins. Right. And then you're like really in the thick of it, and then all of a sudden this guy turns around and it's Benedict Cumberbatch. And to me, that's not Admiral Hoop Doo Doo, whatever the fuck. It's Benedict <laughs> Cumberbatch. It's Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, and I just like. Oh yeah, that's that guy from the thing, and it kind of. So just, you you wish they had cast casting. more of an unknown, or yeah, a smaller character because everybody well, else is, with the exception. Well, of but the thing is, Firth. it's such a small role. Why do you need a marquee name like that in a tiny itty bitty little role where he has like a half a dozen lines or whatever? Yeah. It's totally frivolous and unnecessary. Hmm. And then after that, the brother who's in the battalion right. is Rob Stark, which I know doesn't do anything for you, but as a Game of Thrones watcher, I was like, Thrones. oh, yeah, you're right. that's Rob Stark. Yeah. And now, now were those two characters brothers? No. In the, okay. Mortal right. enemies, actually. Um, um, but, again, the difference is, like, you know, the Dean Charles Chapman character, like, I saw him in the previews and the trailers, and I was like, oh, that's Tom and Baratheon, that's crazy. But he, you're with him long enough to get over it. You know? Yeah. You're with him long enough that, like, at first, maybe you have that I, that thought in your head, but then... He quickly sheds it, but his brother, on the other hand, is kind of in and out. And the whole time, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Rob Stark. (laughs) Interesting. All right. And it just, the whole end, it didn't, but it came very close to falling apart for me because they had to throw some fucking big name people in it. That's interesting. And I just didn't care for it. The the brother, I guess, uh, Richard Madden is the actor who played Rob Rob Stark. Stark. See, I had no, King of the North. no awareness of him, so that didn't bother me at he all. Is the true but king but of the honestly, North. and I know Cumberbatch, but it doesn't bother me that much when, when I see a recognized face. You're a Cumberbitch. And, and, and I understand, but I, I understand. love the Cumberbitches. There's Don't, no time. Like, I'm not going to decry that fandom. Yeah. Um, I 
and can be a cumber bitch myself sometimes. Uh, I really, I, I do like the guy, but it was just unnecessary. Yeah. And took it out of world war one, France into Hollywood. Hmm. And it just kind of was like, eh, yeah, come on. Yeah. Well, I, I did see to me, I thought I, I really, I really liked the ending. I liked the, Next thing you know, Christoph Waltz is going to come out as the commander of the German army. Right. Like, you know, come on. That would have been all Landa, that. Come on, he's son. here? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it, I, I thought that scene between, uh, I guess it's, uh, you know, McKay and uh, Madden there when he's telling the brother about, you know, what happened yeah. and all that. Like, I thought that was really done well. It was. Thought, it was you know, yeah. like, it, I don't know. It was, it was so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and sad mm-hmm. and just. And he's you a know, soldier and can't re. Yeah, right. Cool. And, yeah. and they, you know, they, there's so much under the surface mm-hmm. in, in what's going on there. And then you have uh, McKay kind of retreat to where he can be by himself and look at his picture uh, of and his they, wife and kids. Right. And, you know, you, you've not heard him talk about them nope. throughout the film. You right. just get that kind of final gesture. We all there. have a story. Right. It was the brother's of, story, but we all have a story. Yeah. That we're I, all fighting for something. I, I thought that was really nicely done, and it and it kind of just you know yeah. hammered home the the whole. You yes, know, but idea. where are we with the film? I'm telling. I, I I thought this was a great war action film. Yeah, and I would say su- I would suggest that it does earn its best picture place in the, yeah. in the list. You I guys, think, I think it earns its nomination for sure. I don't think okay. it earns winning that. No. Now my. I thought that it was thoroughly entertaining. It was very tense. It was visually captivating. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I had a conversation with somebody about this earlier today that I thought um, kind of summed this up really well. It's not really adding anything to, like, the culture. Uh, like, our, like it's not culturally doing anything. It's just another war movie. And it's told in an interesting enough way to make it a good movie. And, you know, the writing's there, the acting's there, the same, all of the... No big nut, lasting... All of the nuts and bolts pieces there, but I don't think that it's going to stand the test of time in any way, shape, or form. It'll just become another war movie that, mm. like, you go back to... I don't know if I maybe. disagree with you. Um, now, I was... I was I was talking to a second friend about this earlier today, who was like, oh, yeah, I just saw it and thought, like, oh, yeah, it's a war movie. Like, I guess I might go see it. I don't know. And I think... And I've said it, I think I've said it before that we have Saving Private Ryan. We have Inglorious Bastards. We don't really need a whole lot else. Hmm. Jojo Rabbit was interesting enough and a, all, like a twisted enough take on it from what we're used to that it got me there. And this one, you know, with all the nominations and, lack, the, and the one shot. But it's that lack of story that puts it down the list. For me, Jojo Rabbit's a superior film to this. I, well, no, I, I'm not disagreeing with that yeah. necessarily. And I'm not agreeing with it either. I'm kind of neutral in that comparison. I think it's hard to compare the two. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I think it's almost a fool's errand to try to do that because they're so different. Better um, but I, I don't know. I just don't think that this is adding anything to the conversation of filmmaking to oh, a, a lasting cultural impact. It's just, it's a good movie, incredibly well executed. Ultimately will kind of be forgotten like gravity or something like that. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think so. Gravity? What a good example. <laughs> Gravity won the whole thing, and yeah. nobody talks about that shit anymore. No, no, no. I talk about Gravity occasionally. It's an Do okay. You? It's, it's okay. Really well done. It's an okay movie. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a it is a good movie, but it it's not like, you know, it doesn't have any like real <clears throat> cultural staying yeah, power to it. I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's no Lady Bird. Gravity's no graduate. There. 
Never seen The Graduate. <laughs> what the? Wh- there are different kinds of films. Of I, I think there there are different. <laughs> I think that actually, you know, for me, I think that this film. If I was okay, let me put it this way: If I was teaching a class where we were going to do a week on, you know, war on film, yeah. which I rarely do. I'm not, war films aren't my thing. I'm not, I'm not like drawn to them innately. It's not something that I'm wanting to, I, I don't even know that I've even ever shown one in a class. Isn't that sad? I've shown action films, but not war films. You showed Hobbs, um, Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> um, not, you should. But I think if I was looking at it, I feel Speaking like this of film, cultural relevance. it does something very similar to what Saving Private Ryan does. But I think it does it better than Saving I Private Ryan. I said that Ryan. earlier. I agree. Um, I would prefer to use this over that when we're talking about the cost of war, about the personal scale of war mm-hmm. that people actually experience when they're out there and again not speaking from my own experience but what i imagine it would be to be somebody who was plucked from whatever life they were living and forced into this war that forces well out of their control have orchestrated and are now you know that this to me depicts that right in in many different ways Mm -hmm. in the sense that yes we do have this central character that we end up following Mm -hmm. and he's obviously not there because he wants the glory he's obviously not there because he's driven to be uh you know a soldier a hero or a martyr or anything but he's there because he has to be there he's he's there because he's serving a purpose that his government is asking Mm -hmm. him to serve and while i'm there i will survive right and 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 he will form allegiances and he will have these missions come up that he has to be part and so to me this film really worked well that way in in a way similar to what saving private ryan does but like you said joe earlier without necessarily hitting that nail on the head so hard was so that that it didn't you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. like it kind of leaves it in a more um it it leaves it to you as the viewer to kind of find but you cannot argue with the storming the beaches scene the beginning of private ryan and you cannot argue with the end battle in that sure no those are all great battle scenes i would put those in your classes just standalone scenes without having to watch the entire you know i'll say matt damon was poor casting in that movie yes he was yes he was but vin diesel spot on he really was he was great yeah. Okay. So, I mean, a- anyway, show me so, a bad Vin Diesel performance, and I'll so show you. So while I liar. disagree that n- that I think 1917 will probably stand more the test of time than than Carlos show is giving it credit for, I think we all at least enjoyed the experience yes, of yes. seeing it. No, yeah, and I, I think did. all three of us said at one point or another that it deserves its nomination for the best picture yeah, of the year. It, and, yeah. I, and you That's know what? Top it, nine film of if the year. If it wins, it won't be the win that I want, no. but it will be one that I respect. No, but I, I'm going to go with Carlos. It's going to be a forgotten win, much along the lines of Gravity. Good call. I don't know about the... God, you guys are the... I swear, Gravity... Best picture of the year. I feel like... Culturally changing. And a record store owner not saying The Graduate's just kind of gross. <laughs> I, I Look, I liked Gravity, and Gravity did affect me in a very serious way. Like, that, I'm very claustrophobic. Like me in a serious in, way in, every day. I don't go flying off the face of the earth. In general, I'm very claustrophobic, mm-hmm. and that film really made me, like, horrified. Yeah. At just the, I don't know, just thinking about it. But it didn't, it's not, you know, I don't know, it just didn't do yeah. anything well, in the grand scheme of, like, pop culture, I guess. Like, you know, Birdman we talk about. Like, you yeah. had, there was, like, intercontextuality there with um, him playing 
someone who was a superhero and he had played Batman previously, went on to play the Vulture and the Spider-Man. I mean, there's just like, there's a lot going on there within the zeitgeist. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of, you I know. I think Birdman qualifies for the same criticism as this. Nah. We're not talking well, about Birdman. But anyhow. how about Freem's? Freem? Frem. Would it be designed? I'd say Freem, but... Uh, Scotch Barrel Aged Imperial Brown. False advertising. There's supposed to be a lot of beer in this bottle. There wasn't a lot of beer in this glass. It tasted fine, <laughs> but there wasn't a bunch. Where's the Scotch Barrel Aged? The Imperial was lost on me. I, I'm going to say that this is certainly not my best beer of the year. I wouldn't even nominate it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little underwhelmed by it. It's, uh, it's beautiful art. Yeah, I like the it's bottle. Okay, it's 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 uh, it's simple. It's 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 minimal. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the the, the flavor, uh, like I was saying, I wasn't getting Scotch Barrel on the nose. I get a little in in the flavor, but not as robust as I would hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. This is this is kind of a low ranking uh, barrel aged beer for me. I am going to give it a slightly better ranking as far as the presence of the scotch barrel goes yeah i think i got it a little more than either of you are saying that you did um all in all still kind of underwhelming this this beer will not have a lasting cultural significance (laughs) we're very liberal (laughs) now that i will that i will agree we are more liberal with our beer reviews than our movie reviews that's so we are not clearly very happy with this one as far as just pure ass performance and frame pure ass we're gonna try you again my brothers and sisters actually uh, i'm looking for more joe some I was talking to somebody the other day, mm. and they were like, you know what? I'm just waiting for you and Joe to really just go at each other over a beer. Mm. Y'all, okay. have done, y'all have done it over movies before, but y'all have never let's do the staunchly, second half. staunchly disagreed on a <laughs> All beer. All right, let's bring out something controversial for uh, the second half of this film. Beer, yeah. A but, Russian Imperial Stout, I hope. But you said... If only. Uh, we better. That we're more, we're more liberal on the beer reviews, and I think that's why that hasn't happened. Nah, we like our beers. Yeah, yeah I mean... Anything with a decent alcohol content. Two forms of art in this podcast, beer and movies. Sometimes, anyway. (laughs) uh, When we return, we are going to talk about a... um, Another one-shot film. Actual one shot. Oh, actual. actual uh, one-shot. This one from First the time from the early aughts. Did I say that right? Am I an academic? The early aughts. Early aughts. I think you can go with that. That's what I go with. Aughts. Aughts yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, no. As like why it's called that, but I, I'm gonna go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so such a whippersnapper. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's a very unique film, and I'm very excited to talk about it when we come back from our break. You were. I was watching that finger. I was watching that finger. You know, in the world of erotic, you got a problem. In the world of single take films, rope always leads to mind. But David, you brought one to the party this week. I'd never even heard of. 
Uh, well, yeah, I had, I had recommended uh, we think about doing uh, the film Russian Ark. Now, uh, I had heard of this as well, and uh-huh. I feel like it's a film school thing. It's got to be a film school thing. But speaking of film school, let's switch to beer school. It's Levante <laughs> Brewing Company. Now, this is out of... Westchester. Uh, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Pennsylvania. It's an imperial stout brewed with coconut, cinnamon, and vanilla. David, you brought it to the party. King... Of birds, right? Well, Explain the tie-in while I crack this baby sure. open. Sure. So, so Russian Ark is a 2002 film that um, nice sort of I don't know. It's a complex uh, premise, but it all takes place in the Winter Palace uh, uh, in Saint Petersburg, the Hermitage, right? The Hermitage? Which is part of the Hermitage, Hermitage. Museum. Uh, that that is a you know historical um, museum over in uh, Russia, and this. Uh, th- but for many years, for almost two hundred years, this was the primary residence of the royal family of mm. of Russia. And so, thinking about it was the, the tie-in here, yeah, Saint Petersburg, right? Yeah. Um, so th- this is uh, you know again thinking about the royal family, thinking about uh, a royal beer, this King of Birds. Um, it's we'll, got we'll see heavy coconut that. on my nose. Mm. Smells delicious. I'm getting some. It's pouring like a beautiful. A little stout. more vanilla. A little more vanilla for me when I when I sniff it. But um, but but yeah, I th- you know I I had to explain to Kylie what it was about earlier. And basically you have a camera that is a POV for our narrator who appears to have recently been deceased or in a wreck of some sort some and, kind is, of ghost. and is led by a French traveler diplomat uh, named Marquise, is it? How do you say it? Who's, yeah. who's based off a real person in some way. Yes. Who, um, he wrote a uh, famous tome you know, in, in the 30s about his disdain for Russia. For Russia. The 1830s. 1830s, yeah. yeah. That's what, that's what I, I feel like, uh, and I feel like what the plot is actually about is turning this person into, you know... Um, a con- a, a converting him Con- or, or yeah. convincing him that that Russia stands Russian that history, as a, Russian, yeah. a center of arts and culture that needs to be recognized, or that it within- is, or that it at least has its own unique identity and uh, like imprint in the world's yeah. of arts and culture because he, uh, you know, posits it to be a imitation of European tastes and whatnot but the Um, the film school draw the gimmick of the film the reason why anyone might even think to watch this film is is the gimmick of it it's one shot one shot one actual shot and rope hitchcock the magazine a film could only shoot 10 minutes in a perfect take with no accidental cuts. So right. with, with you, celluloid, yeah. Yeah, right. with yeah, old, old school film. See, back yeah. in the day, kids. <laughs> All right, here we go. So you've got um, uh, a 90-minute film would be nine reels of film if it's a full 10-minute shot. And you have to yeah. disguise those shots. You have to disguise those edits between the, the, the breaks in the film. And they would do that by going to the back of an actor and then panning by. And there was a cut. We talked about the two or, dipping to black two or, or three. Yeah, the two or three cuts that we could really recognize in 1917. But here with digital film in 2000, what was it, three? 2002 is when it came out. I was shot in 2001, yeah. You've got the ability to go 90 minutes through, what, 33 rooms of a beautiful museum? Yeah. 2,000 actors in 
Was it 2000? No way. According to the trailer, in 10 different time periods, you're a ghost that's going through Russian history in a 90-minute single-take film. Right. It's a technical achievement. And mm-hmm. for that should be viewed, if, if, if nothing else. Yeah. It's, so it, it was. I mean, I remember this coming out uh, back in 2000. So I'm, usually Joe is the one on the podcast who will say, well, well I was there. Oh, I, I was not there for this. So, I, I was introduced to this film by you for this. Yeah, no, I I remember when this one was coming out, um, and and hearing. <laughs> I was and, there in eighteen thirty nine, and here, you know, I was there in nineteen sixty eight in Cologne when Can played their first show. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Remember it vividly? Yeah, two thousand actors yeah. and three orchestras. Yeah. Holy shit! So you know, th- because it was being touted as this like incredible cinematic achievement, also. An incredible, incredible achievement of digital videography, right? Oh, yeah, that this right. was, you know, the moment where cinema was turning over to digital, and that one of the advantages of digital video is that you were not limited by the length of film Size that you of could write exactly, yeah. so that you were not able to to shoot that. That you were no longer limited that way. Right. That you could store this footage right um, on hard drives that would essentially allow you to keep shooting and shooting and shooting. So. I remember it coming out, and I remember um, being kind of excited to get to go see it. When I saw this the first time, it was stunning. It was amazing. Did you see it in a theater? I did. Wow. But wow, did it impress upon me how little I knew about Russian history. Fucking A. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, for sure. I Fucking mean, A. If there, if there was any drawback to this film, it was that I don't know a damn thing nope. about Russian history. I, could, yeah. might, I might get the, a B the, in a Cold War test. The only, Maybe. The only thing that I knew to look for was like, okay, is Rasputin going to show up? Because that's really all that, that I know about. Or Stalin or, yeah. um, or Vladimir Lenin. But, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, that is... That makes the narrative somewhat difficult to track, right. um, in a, to a certain extent. Yeah. But I mean, and while like the first half, the first it's ninety minutes, three acts, but it's not a typical three act structure by any stretch of the imagination. No. The first thirty minutes, a little boring to me, but then getting into that rhythm, and then essentially watching a moving museum, a moving. A museum, a museum of Russian history, a museum of Russian art. The paintings come to life, and you're watching different. Uh, the, you said three different orchestras in three different parts of that museum. That yeah. at the end is this grand ball and this dance scene, mm-hmm. and you're watching a single character who is a very decent actor, uh, comedic mm-hmm. uh, in, in tone. It looked like a but villain the, of some sort. But the only thing I'm watching the entire time is is the technical. I, I'm just sitting there going, "How did how and how did they and how did they and how?" Yeah, did, yeah. And you see some flubs, and you see some actors looking into the camera, mm-hmm. and they only get I one shot. That, yeah. And you've got, um, as I understand it, a little research. It's a film that requires research because how the hell did they do this thing? Yeah. The sound was was shot on on scene, but they used and 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 
did sound after the fact. Well, you'd have to. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah, because the director, as I understand it, was heard cursing whenever every every time he saw a mistake. Yeah, and that took me out of the movie. The the bad dub, the the lips not matching up with the with the actors' voices. A yeah, lot of, a lot see, of times, I, I didn't see that. You didn't see. Mm. I think I think with me, I, probably in part because I'm distracted by the subtitles. Uh-huh. It, it, yeah. it, it okay, doesn't impress sure. upon me. Okay. In the same yeah, you're way right. It's in Russian, of course. Well, no, I'm just saying. Like I think if I was a native Russian yeah. if I you spoke Russian have seen I would noticed. probably yeah, I, I noticed, noticed it I and, noticed and it. I, I I was aware of some especially sure. this is probably my third at least third maybe fourth time watching it yeah, I used you're it in one class of them, you're once. one of them academics yeah right I mean it's um, definitely something to teach like it sure. is it, although it's it's a tough one because again I think as I felt the first time seeing it like I think the subject matter is one that I think to the typical American, or I'm going to even say probably non-Russian. Right. You know, it doesn't even have to be American. I would think anybody in Senegal or uh, <laughs> or Australia might feel the same way. Who doesn't have that intimate knowledge of Russian history, at least of those you know that kind of expanse of time that it's uh, that it's going for in the you know sort of 18th, 19th, 20th century. That you know it. It does feel a bit removed, though, again, I do think the basic concept of walking through these different moments out of Russian history and that this ultimately adds up to this sort of skeptical co-whatever journey person, tour guy, yeah, that they eventually get won over. I think that's present. You can can understand that. It is. There is some character development in that single character. But I still, even now, almost 20 years later, feel like, Mm -hmm. boy, I need to read, like, a great book on Russian history. Are you you compelled to for real, though? Yeah. If I I knew the right one, I mean, honestly, like, if somebody gave me the book that was like, yeah, this is going to cover that, you know, that expanse of Russian history in a way that's going to be palatable, I think I'd get so much more out of this film if I had that. But we could discuss the cinematography. It's pretty friggin' well, no, great. Absolutely. And we could I mean, discuss the, the, the art direction and the it. costuming the, the, and the... the... Absolutely. I mean, in terms of how everything gets orchestrated here, it is a delight to watch. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately, looking back yeah. when I saw it the first time, what I ultimately just gave over to, like, sort of, you know, submitted to was, okay, subject matter-wise, this is not going to resonate in the way that I would want a film to. Sure. But in terms of just visual uh-huh. experience, I think... Comedic I th- elements I th- that I think kept me engaged. It. Yeah, there, there's moments there. But it's just... And it really is. It's almost like a, a ballet of cinematography You're where right. you feel like the You're camera right. is essentially dancing through these spaces and these characters kind of circulating around uh-huh. it, um, w- moving through. Some of the scenes are very... Um, spare like they're walking down long hallways and there's very few people but then you get into these ballrooms where it's hundred like, or more yeah exactly like hundreds yeah. of people yeah. are moving around and to think how they had to you know sort of plan that out so oh, that yeah. everything was blocked appropriately would you love to have been on that set like that's the thing there's a great no. little the, no <laughs> would have stressed me out tedious probably. as hell but but there's a great little documentary right. that was made um, sort of documenting the, uh-huh. the making of this film uh-huh. is you know a lot of films have their behind the scenes whatever um that is actually worth watching i think did it's you called watch, it, you watched it i watched it at some point okay. i think it's called in one breath i think you can get uh, it on youtube right. yeah that it's about 45 minutes yeah, yeah it's and it Half really the does length of the film <laughs> it 
It talks about the planning that went into mm-hmm. it. It talks about it initially started out as it was going to be this project that was they were thinking. I think the producers were thinking it was going to be more like a documentary about the museum, right? Like a straightforward, like oh, and then and Sok- Sokorov. Um, yeah. The director, you know, was like, yeah, we'll do it all in one shot. They thought, oh, this is going to be easy then. This will be like a quick, like, we'll do a one-day shoot. He's just going to walk through the museum, and then, like, maybe we'll lay over some narration after it. Done, right? No. But- <laughs> it was the exact opposite of that. It's like, yeah. we're going to do the most complicated. Yeah. And in the research that I did, they did three takes. They had one day. Mm-hmm. Was, it was the shortest day of the Russian winter. Right. So you're talking about available light and right. ma- well, magic. Four hour. hours of daylight they had available right yeah the first two takes were a failure they had to go back well the first take only lasted five minutes right yeah and now it's like this is it do or die right now and they did it and then of course added sound later yeah it's worth seeing from the technical majesty of the entire thing. yeah how are they doing that oh i see oh i see oh okay he's going down oh okay how did they get up those stairs? I mean, like those kinds of yeah. questions I kept asking myself, and I, I really do want to watch that documentary. I will. I mean, yeah. I thought it was Not mad. tonight, though, because I'm having this uh, <laughs> King of Birds. Right. I thought that, uh, I thought it was magnificent to watch. I mean, I thoroughly Beautiful. enjoyed it, despite the fact that I know very little about Russian history. I have always found Russian history somewhat um, uh, interesting. I, you know, I think there there is this um, kind of, narrative at play of like you know a nation torn betwixt two lands because they're european and asian right. technically, and struggling to find a coherent cultural identity and um you know also a lot of you know and, and you see that in the also, film with yeah, the with the no for sure with and, the costuming and the the, the different time period and the, i mean there's been a lot of also as an american you know propaganda to like demonize mm-hmm. them throughout the entirety of their culture obviously right now not great but like you know as far back as you can as you can remember usually the way you're taught in school about it is like oh yeah this was not a dirty not Ruskies, a friend you know yeah. whatever so i've always found that interesting like seeing the actual side of it and um i mean i think maybe the only thing that troubles me about this film is it is somewhat a nationalist enterprise uh sure which is troubling in this day and age in 2002 i probably wouldn't or 2000 and you know 12 even i may not have had that um thought about it afterwards Uh, but given the way that you know um cultural identities and politics and stuff are shifting now it's kind of like mm, okay yeah. but it but yeah i mean it just it just was so like it was really awe-inspiring not just from the technical achievement but just the like majesty of the space itself that you were in and the I mean, I guess to a certain extent it's technical achievement, but fuck, man, like, how do you organize this? The chore- I mean, the choreography of it is truly breathtaking, and the costuming is amazing. I really liked that who you started with, you end with at the end, those yeah. two those two yeah. women. I mean, that was a, a, you know, a brilliant wrap around uh, to it. Um, and I, you know, when that movie Hardcore Henry came out, I know it's a crazy thing to compare it to. Uh, that was like a first-person film kind of situation i was like mm-hmm. this is fucking stupid why would you ever make a first person film go fuck yourself like what I, you know i was like really angry i was really angry about it after seeing the trailers like this looks terrible this is a first person film to a certain extent mm. and i think it works so well in yeah. the way 
that it is constructed in the way that it's presented to the audience. Um, and I don't know. I just, I walked away from it really just like, that was such an awesome experience to mm-hmm. have. Yeah. Watch, yeah. Watching. The Thanks movie. for the suggestion, David. Sure. And it, people you know, should still see Rope, though. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we'll get and, to and, it, Joe. You know, get to it. The, a film that came out and, and another one that I might have recommended, although it's a little. It, it has another single shot film. Yeah, although it's kind of it, it, it's a little more complicated than that because it's four s- simultaneous single shots. Time Code by Mike Figgis that came out just a couple of years before this. Not familiar. It actually who starred in that? Um, there were actually a number of actors. Yeah, um, that that showed I saw up that in one. that. I, I, it was. Uh, Oh gosh, uh, Gene Triplehorn, yeah. Selma Hayek, Stellan Skarsgård. Uh-huh. Yeah, it which is it's a really interesting it is. piece, um, and and one that I saw in a film class back in the day. That um, you know, like I say, it's four simultaneously done single take shots that actually do intertwine at various moments, and you know, characters from one will go into the other and and whatnot. So that that's really worth checking out. And, you know, Carlos is saying it, it may be kind of a stunt. There's still only, I mean, it's a it's a manageable number of films yeah. that have actually done this. It's a framework that if you choose, it's a purposeful choice that I hope creates a narrative purpose. Yeah. In Birdman, I think it did. But to do it as a stunt for stunt's sake, I mean, yeah. this film and 19... Was it deserved in 1917? Was it, was it something that needed to occur to tell that story? Yeah. I believe that the answer is no. I believe it's no as well. But I also See, believe I that if yes. you choose to do that, it was done so, so well. Yeah. I don't think that it shouldn't have been done that way. But I think that... You could have told that story without that Exactly. I, think, that I don't think device. it was necessary. I think you could have, but... I think I, it was necessary in Russian art. Mm-hmm. Now, Rope was a play before it was a movie, so that's right. like we're trying not, to keep true doing, to the theater. We're not yeah. doing Rope hold, hold this on, episode. Shh. Carlos, you're so quick <laughs> to jump on my ass. And wait till we have a fight about this beer, because I intend on doing it. No matter what your position is, you're going first. <laughs> yeah. But this movie, it is 100% required. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You no, follow I mean, me? I, I do. I mean, I, I think... So the device is worth the effort to create the device. I, I honestly, I think it's as worth it in 1917 as it is in Russian Ark. I think the, the idea of putting us into these situations that we're sort of... Like, the film is asking us to really, you know, put ourselves in the position of these characters that we're following. And I think yeah. Russian Ark may do that even in a more strong way by doing the POV thing mm-hmm. and having, you know, like literally we are in the place of the narrator right, essentially right, right, seeing yeah. what they're seeing. But for 1917, I mean, to be going through this war, I mean, it feels like, I don't know, when when I was seeing 1917, it felt as close to that yeah. experience that I had seeing like Saving Private Ryan game. doing the, the storming of the beach that... that uh, that, that I've had, so all right. Oh well, hold on. So b- before we wrap our discussion of Russian art, um, normally, usually, I would say most of the time don't agree with him as a critic. But Roger Ebert wrote something. Oh, uh, I love Roger Ebert. 
What's your problem? Uh, I love Roger Ebert. What's your problem? <laughs> Wait for the beer. Okay. Um, he said, apart from anything else, this is one of the best sustained ideas I've ever seen on the screen. The effect of the unbroken flow of images is uncanny. And this is the part that I agreed with the most. If cinema is sometimes dreamlike, then every edit is an awakening. Russian art spins a daydream made of centuries. Yeah. And there were definitely times in the film where I almost felt like I was dreaming. Yeah. Especially the last scene yeah. uh, in the big ballroom with yeah. all the dancing yeah. where he's like trying yeah. to find the European. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is something that it's, it's a feeling that sticks with you. It's like a lasting experiential thing that you have in a film that differentiates that one from your average kind of whatever movie. Like when I first saw Racerhead, I don't think that I necessarily even remembered a lot of what had happened because I really felt like I had just woken up right yeah. that movie. Cool. But and Good it was cool. just it was the feeling of it that stuck with me more yeah. than any of the narrative elements. Oh, I and agree. I feel I like Russian Ark is the same way that if you can get yourself locked into it and that you have the patience as an audience member to be able to sit through that kind of meandering, you know, yeah. um, long tracking shot that at the end of it, you will be overcome with like a feeling that you don't often experience yeah. when watching a film. And I think that is one of the things that makes it so worth it. I think absolutely. And that, that was the feeling that I had when, that first time seeing it, being able to let go of the okay, I'm not going to understand I'm, I'm all these historical references, yeah. but this is just a beautiful sort of like you know daydream mm-hmm. that I'm experiencing right here, which is all the more interesting when you think about the contrast with 1917, which does not feel dreamlike at all, no. right? I mean, no. that has a lot of the same stuff going on in terms of the camera work, the constant movement, the, the you know, moving through, but it feels so much more driven by realistic, purpose and yeah. that there's this mission, that there's this... It, it, it's that, designed to be realistic. Yeah, that, that it's funny. I mean, yeah. v- very much similar technique, mm-hmm. but very yeah. different ends. Fin- so. Fans of filmmaking... Seek out and watch Russian Ark. Yes, not the six-minute collapsed and version I think on YouTube. They'll seek out 1917. No. Yeah, it exists. What? Russian Ark in six minutes. What? Yeah. You're fucking kidding me. I'm fucking not. <laughs> now, what's your opinion on this beer? That's terrible. King of Birds by uh, Levante Brewing Company. You go. I'm first. honestly deeply offended by. You go what first, you David, and then Carlos, and then I'll follow up. Um, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I'm getting definitely some of the cinnamon and vanilla. I I guess I'm a little bit. I wish there was more coconut. I'm not getting the coconut in the way that I would like. I mean, there's there's some great coconut porters and coconut stouts out there. Um, and I like coconut a lot. So I, I would have liked a little bit more in there. But I mean, if I didn't have that hang up, if I wasn't thinking, oh, there should be coconut, I'd be enjoying this a lot. And, and I do enjoy it. When so. you drink a 12.2, as in the case of King of Birds, or a 10.0, as in the case of the uh, Freem Scotch Barrel Age Imperial Brown that we drank at the first half, Mm-hmm. Do you want to taste or feel or sense those high ABVs? Is that a, is that like a, a a point for you, or do you mind if they mask it? Do you want them to mask it I, to make I, it more crushable, drinkable, even though it's a higher number? I don't expect anything that high to be crushable, but I'd like if it didn't feel really hot and boozy. Mm-hmm. And this one doesn't. Okay. Uh, to to me, for twelve point two. 
I'm able to drink this and not feel like, oh, wow, I'm drinking really high octane. Yeah, no, this this is good. Carlos, King of Birds, what would you, you think? Um, to answer your, your question, I don't think that I'm necessarily looking for the ABV to be hidden or to be accentuated in any way. I think that I would not like my beer to taste like ethanol. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But other than that, I have no necessary necessary like preference or anything like that as long as the beer is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've gone on record on this podcast before saying that I am, in fact, a slut for coconut. And I'm not getting a lot of it in this beer. Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't like it. I am enjoying it quite a bit. I think if it was billed as, I don't know, what would you call a cinnamon and vanilla stout? Not a Mexican chocolate stout. Um, Not quite, because it it needs some chili there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it was billed as something else... Honestly, if they took the coconut off the can, I'd be like, yeah, great job. Yeah, if there's a coconut picture on the can art, and you don't taste the coconut, all that they're saying is... Carlos, all that they're saying is that it is uh, with coconut, cinnamon, and vanilla. Doesn't mean it has to hit you on the nose, bro. Doesn't mean that it has to have coconut all over the place. I enjoyed the coconut nose that I got. You're right, though, uh, David. You corrected me a little bit. You can smell that vanilla as well. Yeah. I like this beer very much. Is it my favorite beer of the year? No, it isn't. That's the fluffer <laughs> sandwich. But no, I would suggest if you can get your hands on Levante Brewing Company's King of Birds, I'm going to tell you this. We've already had Pipeworks. This King of Birds is washing the terrible taste of failure of Freem out of my mouth. All right. Well, yes, and I do prefer it to the Freem. Carlos? Absolutely. Are we arguing or? Uh, no. There will be beers as, to argue. Okay. As, as aggressive as you may have stated your opinion just now, I do more or less agree with everything you said. Well, maybe we shouldn't uh, try to orchestrate these things. The, yeah, well, they should and, come naturally. You know, yes, right. I, I mean, let, let's let's. Uh, do we want to tell nego- people what we're doing next week? Negotiate or? peace. We don't know what we're doing next week yet, Joe. What are we doing next week? Oh, no, no we've already done two. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good night, man. Jeez. It's good night. Well, what did you think about um, 1917 or Russian Ark? What do you think of one-shot films in general? Is it a gimmick? Is it necessary to the art? I don't know. I don't know. What do you, what do you want me to say? Uh, you can contact us. You can engage with us on all of your favorite social media platforms. On Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX. Uh, as always, Beer and Movie Podcast.com is the home base. You can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes. They're absolutely free. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscri- subscribing. <laughs> subscribing helps you stay abreast. When about when all our new episodes are dropping, that's every Wednesday. For those of you that are not familiar with the show, please rate review. Blah. Please rate and review. It helps us out a great deal. We know you're going to give us that five star rating, but when you leave us a review and you tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future, that helps us program the content that you are most interested in and excited about. Um, helps us and it helps you. So win win all around. Uh, it's been a great episode talking about one shot films. So until next time, I hoped today might be a good day, but hope is a dangerous thing. <laughs> <laughs>